23rd to the 32nd verse. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. On this new day, on this new week, this new month of a new year, I would like to remind you of the new covenant that we have with God through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Now, a covenant is the biblical word that is used to mean contract, compact, agreement, a solemn relationship existing between two parties. And when you talk about a new covenant, it presupposes an old covenant. And there was an old covenant. An old covenant that began about 4,000 years ago. It began with Abram. And it came to its completion at the time of Jesus Christ. It hit, it hit its height with the people at the time of Moses around 1300 B.C. And that agreement, that promise, that mutual understanding of relationship was based upon law. And let me read to you concerning how the first new covenant was made. I'm reading from Exodus, the 24th chapter, beginning at the third verse in the Living Bible Paraphrase. Then Moses announced to the people all the laws and regulations God had given him. And the people answered in unison, We will obey all. Moses wrote down the laws. And early the next morning, he built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars round the altar because there were twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent out some of the young men to sacrifice the burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took 
half of the blood of these animals and drew it off into basins. The other half he splashed against the altar. And he read to the people the book he had written, the book of the covenant containing God's directions and laws. And the people said again, we solemnly promise to obey every one of these rules. Then Moses threw the blood from the basin towards the people and said, This blood confirms and seals the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these laws. They didn't have fountains or ballpoint pens in those days. Today, when you and I sign a contract, make an agreement, we with ink sign our signature, which signifies that we are standing behind that agreement, that promise, that contract, with our very being, our life, stands and confirms it. In those days, not having ink pens, what they did, they signed their contracts with blood, believing that life is in the blood, they would take, under the direction of God, animals. And they would kill those animals, and they would take that blood, signifying life. And they would take half of that blood, and they would splash it against the altar, signifying God's presence and promise. And then they would take the remaining part of blood, and they would literally throw it on to the people. And that would be a sign of their promise and their pledge. And that's what was done. And the interrelationship was simply this. God would be the people's God if they would obey his law. The first covenant was based upon law. And it was only a period of time until the people began to recognize the fact they couldn't keep the law. They broke their promise. And soon individuals were coming unto God as criminals would come unto a judge. And God was not happy, and the people were not happy. So God decided to set up a second covenant, a new covenant. This one based not upon law, but rather based upon love. And on Christmas night, God began that new covenant by sending his Son, Jesus Christ, here to earth. And that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. In him was all of God, and in him was all of man. And his unique personality was the God-man here on earth. And he went out through his life teaching about love. Now the law was a commandment of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus Christ died. And at that time, the symbolism is simply this. The death of Jesus Christ upon the cross was not just to show that we are forgiven, but 
that the new covenant which costs the blood of Jesus Christ has been sealed forever between God and man. The new covenant in love. God loves us and we are to love him by loving one another. This is the new covenant. And this is the interpersonal relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. And it is that to which we have been promised and bound. And it's been confirmed not by the blood of animals, but by the broken body and the shed blood of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And our term and responsibility and contract is that as God loves us, we are to love him and to love one another as we love self. Now that's the point that I want you to think about on this New Year's Day. How do you love yourself? I'm firmly convinced that the problems we have in life usually stem from a person or group of persons who do not know how to love self. And they complicate the machinery of life through this poor self-image. I personally believe that unless you know how to love you, you can't love your neighbor be he a friend or an enemy. And if you can't love those whom you see, you can't love God who you cannot see. So today I want you to look carefully to see whether or not you are keeping up your part of this agreement which was established by God and which was confirmed by and cost the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you love you? Do you love you? Most people, you know, do not love themselves. Oh, yes, we, we like to put ourselves first. We want to worship self and we want other people to worship us. We like to do our own thing. We like to pride ourselves. But do we really love, love ourselves as God loves? I'm not quite sure what causes people to fall in love. But after 20 years of counseling in interpersonal relationships, I have a pretty good idea of what causes people to fall out of love. And yes, from you, and many people like you, I believe it's possible to love and to fall out of love. And to me there's only four reasons why a person falls out of love, whether it be with God, with somebody else, or with himself. One, fear. I've heard and I've seen people fall out of love because of fear that they have for the one they want to love. Secondly, 
lots of respect. How can you love someone whom you don't respect? Three, distrust. When you can't trust someone any longer, you find that with that loss of trust goes also the loss of love. And for guilt, and we individuals, human beings, have the unique nature, like no one of any other of God's creation, of being able to take our own guilt and transfer it to the one whom we love, and in so doing, kill the love that comes from our own guilt. That's how people fall out of love, whether it be with God, with someone else, or with themselves. I'm convinced the reason some of us don't love ourselves is that we're frightened, scared to death, fearful of self. Fearful of what we might say or do or think, fear of failure, fear of taking a chance, fear of stepping out in faith. And we know we're filled with fear. And because perfect love casts out fear, we don't love because of our fear. Some of us don't love ourselves because we have lost respect for self. Oh, I don't care what the headlines say, what you say, or how the biography reads. You'd be surprised how many individuals can have laws placed upon them, all honors given to them, that inwardly they just don't trust themselves, and they have lost. They have lost respect for themselves. Some people don't love themselves because they know they can't be trusted. <laughs> They've made so many New Year's resolutions and haven't kept one of them. They know how many times they've asked God to forgive them and promised that they would never do that thing again. <laughs> they can't be trusted because they go out and do it all over again. And guilt. Some of us don't love ourselves because we feel so dirty, so unclean, so guilty. We can't even look ourselves in the mirror in the morning. That's why we don't love ourselves, for one of those four reasons. And we just haven't yet caught that message of Jesus Christ before his blood we shed. The Jesus who came and really preached and talked and told people that they can be released from their fears. That they can become new creatures. Jesus came to this earth to overcome fear. Fear. Do you remember the night in which he was born? The great angels of the multitude of heavenly hosts came and, and sang over that shepherd's field at Bethlehem. Remember what the angels said to the shepherds? Fear not. Fear not. You look it up in the Gospels. Notice how many times Jesus is telling his disciples, Fear not. Fear not. 
the ninth, in which he was resurrected from the grave. The disciples were in a large upper room, the same one perhaps where they had had the dinner the Thursday night before, and Jesus comes in all of his resurrected power. And they're scared to death, and Jesus has to calm them down, and he says, fear not. Fear not. Perfect love casts out fear. And God did not give us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love and of power and of self-control. Jesus came, you see, to give respectability to those who had lost it. You realize the only people with whom Jesus really failed were the respectable people of the community, the churchgoers. <laughs> but Jesus scored and he helped. Those people of disrespect, the harlots, the dishonest tax collectors. The last conversation that Jesus had before he died was with a penitent thief to whom Jesus promised paradise. Trust? <laughs> Nobody trusts you like Jesus. Nobody. People like you and me. And what does Jesus say? He builds trust in them by saying, You, you are the salt of the earth. You, you are the light of the world. You are my friend. Jesus left no blueprints, no plans. He trusted his message with his disciples. He just said, Go, go, go make disciples of all men. And guilt, that's a big thing Jesus did for us. Remember the guilty people, the woman taken in adultery. What did he say to her and what did he say to the others who were found guilty, proven guilty? Go and sin no more, for your faith has made you well. That's why Jesus came. To show you and me that we can love us. That we can love ourselves. Unless you understand that, the sacrament does not mean much. Unless you know how to love yourself, you really can't love your fellow man. And if you can't love those whom you see, how can you love God whom you do not see? That's the heart of it. That's the heart of it. And when we gather around this table, ladies and gentlemen, you see, we're just not memorializing some active history. We're just not remembering beautiful Jesus. But we are reenacting and renewing that new covenant that God has with us and confirmed by the broken blood, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. I want to stress to you the seriousness of this hour, the seriousness of it. And if you realize that you have not been living up to your side of the agreement, I challenge you to think about your responsibility in this compact, this contract, this sacred, solemn relationship. 
If so, come, eat of the bread, drink of the cup. But if you do not think of your responsibility in this relationship, though it may sound strange to hear, as your pastor and as your friend and as one who loves you, don't eat of the bread. Don't drink of the cup. Because, as Paul tells us, if we eat and drink without discerning the body, which means the understanding of this particular sacrament of Christ, and it also means our inner relationship with God and each other in the present body of Christ, which is the church. If we don't eat and drink with discernment, we become guilty of profaning the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And as the King James Version says, we eat and drink damn don't take that bread and don't drink that cup if you are not willing to look at yourselves we like to think that it's the people who are not here who are guilty and greater in sin but ladies and gentlemen it's not those of us who become spiritually weak and ill and spiritually die. Not those of us who stay away, but that those of us who come and eat and drink, they come with the wrong attitude. And do not come with the idea of renewing the new covenant of love for self, for other people, and for God. This is a great day in the kingdom. The New Year falls on a Sunday. And that Sunday finds us with our appointment with God around the communion table. What a wonderful way to be able to start the new year with a reaffirmation of the new covenant. So if you are truly sorry for your sins and wish to be delivered to the burden of them, if you truly truly want to keep your part in this relationship and love God and love your fellow man and have a new love and respect for self. Please come, eat of this bread and drink of this cup and love yourself. For in so doing, you will be drinking all of it. You'll remember our Lord Jesus. The night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he blessed it, he broke it. He said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also our Lord took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft ye drink of it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you show the Lord's death till he comes.